I recently came across some YouTube videos about why Scandinavian countries are the happiest on earth. This naturally got me thinking, how does one even measure happiness? This sounds like something you would do, so I'm, I'm interested. So <laughs> let's, let's, let's hear about it. This uh, led me down a rabbit hole of what sociologists have tried to do for a few decades now. The first real mention of measuring happiness was in 1972, when a king of Bhutan declared that, quote, gross national happiness, or GNH, would be used and prioritized above gross domestic product, or GDP. GDP measures the economic prosperity of a nation, but Bhutan said that happiness was more important than mere riches. The four pillars of GNH, as established in 2008 when they made a new constitution, are, first, sustainable and equitable socioeconomic development, two, environmental conservation, three, preservation and promotion of culture, and four, good governance. I already like the sound of that. Some of those are good, especially preservation and promotion of culture. Because cultures are so different. And you're, you're talking about Bhutan, right? So I'm not exactly sure what they do over in Bhutan. But uh, I can imagine that's very different from here. Yeah, they're very Buddhist. So yeah, obviously they're wanting to preserve Buddhist culture, the religion, and the, the middle path, the eightfold path, all those paths that Buddha walked. But I digress. <laughs> but yeah, I, this, this sounds good. I like where this is going. Well, I think the path they chose to follow back then was the ethnic cleansing path. Yikes. The reason they're so strong on Buddhism is because they kicked out all the people who weren't Buddhist. All the ethnic groups that were uh, Hindu or had their own other pagan religions. Anyways, that's kind of a side thing. Now, you can notice how these pillars all correspond to traditional Buddhist values, like you said, which are pushed hard by the government of Bhutan, which is still a monarchy, by the way. So they're a Buddhist monarchy? Really? Yes. And uh, they have a history of a lot of, some would say, authoritarianism in maintaining cultural norms. Bhutan's a very interesting country. You should look into it in your spare time. I think they, they actually export more energy than they can use. Really? But mostly through the like rivers that go through because of the Himalayas have all the glaciers that pour down water. Oh, so are they doing a lot with hydroelectric? Yep. Wow. Okay. Now that makes sense there. They're the only country in the world, I believe, that is a net exporter of sustainable energy. Wow. Maybe I can forgive them for some of their past transgressions, because that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. Can't take the good without the bad, right? Right. <laughs> anyway. So you like it so far. In, in general, you like G&H? In, in general, I'm liking this concept, because GDP is such a sterile way to measure the, the success of a country. Yeah, you're measuring how much they're producing, but you know you can work like a dog all day and night, producing a lot, and that doesn't necessarily measure the more subtle parts of life. And really, life is not all about just producing. So that's really, I think, like a apples and oranges type deal, GDP versus general happiness. But we hear so much about GDP. We hear so much about all these economic analyses. It's nice to sometimes talk about the human element. Okay. I'll cover some of the criticisms of G&H as given by Bhutan, and that will be a good segue into talking about the real happiness index. But before I mention that, um, like I said, it was this G&H was kind of a cover up for just the ethnic cleansing and forcing the non, non-Buddhists out. So that's what a lot of people said. I think a sixth of the whole population of Bhutan was expelled. Really? Yep. Goodness gracious. Now, how did they, how did they do that? Did they just go to house to house? 
just round people up and just send them away? Where did they send them? I think they were mostly concentrated in certain regions, so I'm not sure how they did it, but it wasn't pretty. I don't think they were massacring people, but they just said get out. They said because they couldn't integrate into their cultures that they said you're not a part of Bhutan if you're not going to be about what we're about. There's some truth to that. That's 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 a fair assessment. Some people will not conform, you know? And so, hey, go to a place where you will conform. Why not? And uh, other people criticized it saying it ignored more physical characteristics such as disease, poverty. Oh, I know it does say sustainable and equitable socioeconomic development, but that is pretty subjective. And it's just development. It's not like a high level, a high standard of living. And also, of course, violence and in a way, in a sideways kind of way, corruption in Bhutan, which of course is going to exist. It says good governance, but who's defining what good governance is? The the government. Yes, of course. They're 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 always going to say it's great. They're the ones evaluating themselves. It's like like the meme of Obama giving himself a medal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's the basis. Um, but a few years later, in 2012, the UN rolled out its first world happiness report, modeled after Bhutan's GNH, but from a first world perspective. And it got the majority vote of the nations who said, yeah, it's a pretty good idea. We'll, we'll move forward with it and you can produce a report. So here are the six factors for the world happiness report, which is still used to this day. Last year marked the 10 year anniversary of them doing this. Oh, my cringe sense is tingling, but continue. Go ahead. Here they are. GDP per capita, healthy life expectancy, freedom to make life choices, social support, generosity, and absence of corruption. Unsurprisingly, the World Happiness Report consistently ranks Scandinavian and Northern European countries as the happiest in the world. Finland has taken the top spot for five years in a row. In 2022, the top eight nations were, in order... Finland, Denmark, Iceland, Switzerland, Netherlands, Luxembourg, Sweden, and Norway. I'm sensing a pattern here in these uh, in these top eight nations. Um, no, I think nine was Israel or something. And Japan figures in pretty high too, but it's mostly Northern European countries and Switzerland. But they're kind of Northern, kind of Central. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely got the Scandinavian element very, very much present here. And the if you think a little deeper... Liberal democracy element, very present. I don't know how many people have said it, but I'm going to say it. This report is pretty biased towards secular and liberal democracy, which we happen to find in Northern Europe and Western Europe. Now, we can just look at these factors. Um, GDP, life expectancy, generosity, absence of corruption. It's always going to push the richest countries to the top. Of course, especially that first one. GDP is always going to bring these these democratic nations Uh, to the top of the list. And life expectancy tends to go hand in hand with how rich you are. And generosity, you have more money, you have more money to give. And absence of corruption, also you'll find, I I would imagine, a strong correlation between how rich a country is and how corrupt it is. Because you hear about these banana republics versus like Sweden. You may not like what Sweden's doing, but it's not doing what it's doing due to corruption. It's because that's what gets voted in. Yes. So out of these six that that the UN voted on, and that they're using to measure happiness, which would you, would you say are legit? I mean, they all have some part to play in happiness. I just think it's not all the picture that we need. Only having six factors. And I'm going to get in a minute into how they actually determine the scores for each of these. But to an extent, the richer you are, the happier. But only to a certain amount. Once you get happier and happier until you make 75000 a year. And then after that, it kind of like stagnates. 
So any extra money, you know, w- wouldn't make you happier. Yeah, one I, more boat, one more car isn't going to make you much happier. Yeah, and I would assume there's a similar standard for nations, whatever that number is. So I think it's good to a certain extent. I would do something more like standard of living instead of GDP because the U.S. has a very high GDP compared to other countries per capita as well. But I think there are a lot of things that make people unhappy about it. And life expectancy, that's fine to an extent because if you only live to 40, then only so much happiness. Social support, I'm going to get to that in a minute, but I think it's very vague as well. Yeah, does that mean like a social safety net? Does that mean government programs or does that mean, hey, there are a lot of churches here that can help people? There's a lot of charities here. There's no mention of religion in this test. That's another criticism I have. But how they determine the level of, quote, social support, they ask the person, yes or no, by the way, no, no in between, if you need help, do you have people around you who you feel like you could get help from? That's it. One question to determine that whole factor. And it's not like like zero to 10. It's like binary, yes or no. Hmm. I'm very skeptical about that one because even if you analyze the countries by this, they're saying like Finland and all these Northern European countries that are super secular and the family is not as important as it used to be, they have a higher social support score than like Guatemala. Yeah. How can that be possible? It, It can't be possible. Yeah. When you got these people just living in cities, I mean, I'm sure you got some friends, but... I can't imagine that someone living in a village in Latin America has a hard time getting support they need from their family. Yeah, because their family is probably much larger than many of the families. And they live closer. And in many yes. cases, they live in the same house. So, yes. I mean, you need support. It's like, hey, can you help me? Yeah, right you go in the next room. You don't even have to go across the street. Also, I had a problem with the, quote, freedom to make life choices. That That's kind of a catchphrase for what they were promote as don't stop people from doing what they want. If Let they're not people enjoy others. things. Yes, exactly. And, and we, we know what that's code for. That's that's code for our liberal values. Are people free to do X, Y, Z? Are people free to support the current thing? Yeah, exactly. it comes down to. And it, it makes it heavily biased against traditional societies. Mm-hmm. Which generally we, we may discuss here in a sec. I believe just anecdotally are happier, but we'll we'll get into that in a minute. Absence of corruption, sure. I wouldn't consider it like the big six. I think you can have happy people in a corrupt country. I mean, most of world history has been has had some level of corruption. If it's getting in the way of being able to live a normal life, like you have to pay a thousand dollars just to get a certificate yeah. to buy off someone. Or the police are on your case all the time and you got to bribe them to get away from getting tickets. That's obviously bad. But I wouldn't consider it in the top six factors if it's not crazy That's for fair. happiness. That's fair. And like I said, there's no mention of religion. So how much happiness can one achieve really if you know it's all going to end soon enough and there's nothing awaiting you? Or even worse, you're unsure if you are even going to go to heaven. That's true. And without any religion, there are no churches without any churches, there are no places for people to concentrate and congregate and help each other out. How many charities and how many good deeds are done through churches or as a result of the actions of a, of a church or a congregation? So in a country that doesn't have that or has it to a lesser degree, you're always going to have a lot harder of a time having that quote unquote like social safety net, not like a government mandated one. But you're going to have fewer people that you can rely on. Your community is going to be a little less tight-knit. So I, I would assume just right off the bat that 
more religion in a country or a stronger religion is going to correlate with increased happiness and security for people. And studies have shown that too. In America, uh, religious people on average are happier than non-religious people. And uh, generosity, I think, is also kind of a weird one to put in the top six factors. I mean, it's it's important, but also, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't consider it super important for how happy you are. But don't you consider generosity to be like a, uh, a Christian value? Yeah, I would, but... You know, look, look at these Muslim countries, you know, that don't care as much about giving to the poor. I, I consider the rich people there naturally happy. I guess so. I don't, I think it's more of like a bias of our Western society and getting to be leftist society where generosity is, you know, a separate thing that should be prioritized so much. When you, if you already have social support, I don't know what generosity is doing on this list. And this brings us to a, a bigger question, like, are richer countries really happier? And is it fair to say that Africans or Latin Americans are unhappy people? Another big criticism, I got a lot of them, but one of them is, why didn't they ask the people, how happy are you? You'd think that'd be step one. Yeah, you'd think that would be baseline. For example, I, I saw this elsewhere. Um, in Colombia, the country of Colombia, they ranked like one or two in the world for like positive interactions and perceptions of happiness. And yet they are 66th in the world in happiness. Hmm, a little bit of a disparity. And I'd say just from experience and stereotypes, and I've been to Latin America, I can vouch for what I'm about to say. They come across as actually pretty happy and grateful people, at least the ones not living in extreme poverty. They seem lively, whereas you go to Northern Europe, they won't speak to you unless you speak to them first. Well, it's pretty cold up there, so that's, that's liable to make anybody a little... A little uh, more serious. Yeah, but even indoors and, and during the summer. Because I've, I've been to Switzerland, and they that as a rule, they refuse to not mind their own business unless you interfere with their quietness. It's kind of cultural, I guess, you know, to keep to yourself. But also, I don't see how that would increase happiness at all. Yeah, and when I think of the stereotypical Scandinavian-type person, it is a more stoic image. I really don't know. I mean, I haven't been to these countries. I, I can't speak... To that, but just based on what I see in media, it does seem like you could be onto something there. That they're just a more serious, more stern, more unfriendly people in general, and maybe more friendly, more welcoming, and accepting in uh, south of the border. Now, here's a final question I have: Why is suicide worse in the happiest countries? You wouldn't think this would be the case, right? Right. If they're so happy, why are they offing themselves? Yep. And I, I saw in, in the video that we're going to link that started this whole discussion, they actually do bring this up. Like, why did Finns used to kill themselves so often? And it's gotten better. But like, why did it used to be so high? And they said, oh, because in a very happy society, if you don't feel happy yourself, you feel like even more of an outcast. And like, you can't talk to people about being unhappy because the ex- expectation is you're happy. I guess there's some logic to that, but I'm not sure that I necessarily buy it. Yeah, and they, they did, once they realized their suicide was high, they did put in programs and it's gone down a lot. But still, you'd think that even today their their levels would be a lot a lot lower. Relative these, to other countries. These poor countries that are getting this low happiness score. But here are some examples, just to prove my point. Give us the stats, yo. Yeah, I'm just going to pick a few. Colombia, like I said, has 3.7 suicides per 100,000 people. And that's what the suicide rate's going to be based on per 100,000. So I won't keep saying that. It has 3.7 suicides, but it's 66th in happiness 
on the score of the World Happiness Report. That's the UN's. Yes. Armenia, which is a very traditional country with strong family, history, and cultural ties, has 2.7 suicides per 100,000. But it's 82nd in happiness. Finland, you know, our number one, has 13.4 suicides. But it's number one. And similarly, Finland has a noticeably higher score on social support than Colombia and Armenia, which you can say, Armenia, they're they're notoriously close-knit. I mean, they were just genocided like a, a century ago. Yeah, within recent memory. Very close-knit. I mean, you watch, I watched a documentary on Armenia. That's why I picked it for my example. And there's hardly any people in the world that are so close-knit and so called to be together and to work together. When they want to build a structure to celebrate Armenia, like they just come from all over and, and like build it and then they go back. I just find that hard to believe that. I think that's a sign that the criteria there are just flawed. There's yeah. deeply flawed. There's something wrong there. And especially when you were saying about, they're not even asking, oh, how, how happy are you? And factoring that into their calculations, there's something's up. This is, uh, I, I believe there's some globalism at work here. And just so you know, Afghanistan got last place. Afghanistan got last? Yeah. Mm, uh, that might be fair. <laughs> that might be a decent one for last place. Yeah. And just so you know, the United States currently has about 14.5 suicides per 100,000. On average, of course, there's a lot more men doing it than women. But it was ranked 16th in happiness. Are we really top tier in happiness? Would you say America is the 16th happiest country in the world? I think not. 